remain standing with me, please, as we honor the gospel of Jesus. It comes in the form of one of his parables in Matthew chapter 25, the second parable of this great chapter. Jesus is trying to describe to his disciples before he's crucified what the dream is, what the kingdom is going to look like. For it's as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two talents more. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You've been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come, enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in many things. In a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent away from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The word of our Lord. (laughs) Thanks be to God. Be seated. We invite our children to be dismissed for their time of children's worship. And as they go, will you join me in praying? We pray for little Jonah Watson. We pray your peace and light be on him. We pray for these children who just left the room. May they find that touch of love and joy that redefines all of life. We pray for our youth, some 50 youth and chaperones who are returning 
even now from a weekend away. May they have heard the word of the Lord. But in this moment, we pray for ourselves. Not a selfish prayer, but a prayer of openness. Illumine what we need to know and see this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. I've given this uh, sermon a title that is familiar to many of you. We have a story to tell to the nations. It's a title from a hymn that was popular among Baptists back in the 40s and 50s and 60s. In fact, it was sort of the fight song, if you will, for a group of young girls named the Girls in Action or the Girls Auxiliary. How many of you in the room were a GA once upon a time? Look at you all over the room so you can sing with me. We've a story to tell to the nations that will turn their heart to the right. Come on. A story, truth and mercy, a story of peace and light. Now the guys can join on the chorus, okay? For the darkness shall turn to dawning, and the dawning to noonday bright. And Christ's great kingdom shall come on earth, the kingdom of love and light. Didn't you hear the kingdom of love and light in that parable I just read? Don Burke, who's our pastor emeritus, tells a story about an old country preacher who was preaching on this text from Matthew 25. He was really honed in on the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He was honing in on that point, talking about in a very literal way when an old boy in overalls in the back of the room raised his hand and said, Preacher, what happens if we don't have teeth? The preacher shot back, Teeth will be provided. <laughs> you got to have teeth to gnash, right? I want to suggest that this is not a parable about punishment of an angry God. But it's a graphic story that tells the difference between the story that we're being invited to live in and tell. The story of abundance and light and investing and risking, hoping and seeing new things happen. And the story of, a, of scarcity, the story of fear, the story of hiding and hoarding one's talents in such a way that the talents become stagnant and lead to scarcity and ultimately losing everything. It's a graphic s- story he tells. He tells it as a good stel- storyteller would tell it in a way to wake you up and help you see. The importance of this moment where you have the choice of what kind of life you want to live. Do you want to live like like the slave who was given five talents or two talents? Or do you want to live in fear like the one who only had one talent? In this story, Jesus suggests that two out of the three live into abundance, which is great. I would love to think that two out of three people in our world today live in abundance. But I find very few people, frankly, outside of our faith community who are willing to take the risk that it requires to live into God's 
abundance. I know I have to tell you that much of the world we are surrounded by operates on the presumption of scarcity. There's not enough. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. It's every man, every woman, every child for himself, for herself. It's survival of the fittest. There is no such thing as teamwork. There's no such thing as harmony. Do you hear the people behind me blend that harmony, all those notes, all those voices? It's a picture of the kingdom of God, the dream of God. But instead of this dream, those who live in the world of scarcity create a world not of harmony, but of dissonance, of discord, of distrust and discouragement. A world of radical individualism where we no longer talk about the commonwealth, as in the commonwealth of Kentucky, but we talk about my wealth, my family's wealth, what we have. We no longer talk about organizations and institutions and political systems as if we trust them because the reality is most of us no longer do because there's competing news, there are competing facts, competing narratives, competing goals, and probably worst of all, competing fears. Competing fears. Because if I'm afraid of one thing and you're afraid of something else, we can't align It's everyone for themselves. So whether we're talking about race or gender or sexuality or religion or politics or world events, where are we this day? Where's the world we live in? You think of the number of guns in the United States, the number of prisoners in the United States, the gap between the rich and the poor in the United States today, the, 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 the overabundance of privilege of white Americans today, and you have to ask, has the whole world gone crazy? Where, what are we doing? And along comes Jesus who doesn't come to give us a new religion. He comes to give us a new way. He says to us, it doesn't have to be this way. Let me propose a different way. Let me tell you a different story. Let me give you a choice between the story of scarcity and fear and violence and greed and the story of abundance and love and life and peace and harmony and a place for all people. Let me tell you about this story. And he didn't just tell the story. He lived the story, and he said to us, if you want to get it, if you want to really get it, you can't just believe in it. you got to live it. you got to invest your life in it. Whatever talent you have, five or three or one, to risk it in the work of love is the way we find the fullness of life. Well done. Good, faithful servant. Come and... Inherit the the dream of God that's been prepared for you. One of the things I've loved so deeply about Highland Baptist Church is to be with and among a group of people who are willing to be those investors and riskers. To see this community of faith risk our historic reputation and name in the name of love has been one of the most beautiful experiences of of my life, of any life. 
and to see how God has used and blessed and multiplied your willingness to risk encourages me to encourage you to keep on this risky way. The way is Jesus. I am the way, he said. Follow this way. It will be risky, but it will be ultimately so very rewarding. Fifteen years ago, we started a Friday church service. We didn't have any idea about whether it would take off or not. I mean, who's going to go to church on Friday nights at 7 o'clock? And of course, that's what my pastor friends asked me too. Are you crazy? Why would you start another church service on Friday night at 7 o'clock? My wife said to me, are you crazy? You want to start another church service on Friday at 7 o'clock? It was fun at first. That first week or two was great fun, but week three, week four, month three, month four, year three, year four, every Friday night. And yet I'm here to tell you that that investment has changed the the life of this church. Not just the people who have come and had their lives changed by Friday church, but I feel like the ethos of Highland changed when we began Friday Church. People of a different socioeconomic background sit on Friday night right where you're sitting. They bring their prayers into this room. And I feel like it's changed the the spirit of this place to be even more inclusive. Because what we've found is that the people who come on Friday night, many of whom struggle with addictions and, and lives that you and I probably couldn't even imagine, that there's the light of God in every single one of them. And if you will cultivate it and nurture it, it becomes incredibly beautiful. Let me tell you just one story. I've told some of this before. It's about a guy who started coming not long after we started Friday Church. He would sit in the back. We were in the, the fireside room downstairs. So it was a room that only held about 50 people. And it was really evident when one of the people in the room was sound asleep. And this was the guy in the back of the room. Some of you are asleep right now, and I'm aware of it. But <clears throat> <laughs> this guy was very obvious. He would stretch out his six foot three frame, and he would pull his white cap down over his face, and he would just take a little siesta. But one day, one Friday night after the service, he came up to me, and I didn't realize he'd been listening. And he said to me, you really believe this God is love stuff, don't you? I do, I said. It's changed everything for me, and it could change you. He nodded and went on, but the next week I noticed he wasn't, he didn't have his hat over his eyes. He was sitting up and listening, and a few weeks later, he started coming a little closer and sitting about halfway into the crowd. And then a month later, he's sitting in the second row, and he's clapping and leading the cheers and doing the Friday church thing. And he gave his life to Christ. He was baptized. Here, his name is Dewan Nathaniel. He's one of these guys that looks like he's wearing shoulder pads even when he's just got a shirt on. He's a big honking guy, and he's uh, a guy who's lived a tough life. He told me, uh, I used to sell drugs out on the corner before coming into Friday church every Friday night. Now he sponsors 
five different guys in the program. He, uh, he's utterly turned his life in a new direction. He bought a car. I said, that's great. Do you have a driver's license? No, I don't have a driver's license. Need to get a driver's license. Do you have insurance? No, I don't have insurance. Go on. Get insurance. He got a good job. I said, about, what about this thing with Aisha? Is, this, is, this, is she the one? Oh, yeah, she's the one. You need to get married. So we got married right here in the sanctuary. One of the funnest days of my ministry was standing right where I am now with Dewan Nathaniel standing next to me. And they opened the back doors, and there stood Aisha in a red gown. And Dewan squealed, oh, my black Cinderella. <laughs> They bought a house. They're raising their boys. The name of that is God. I couldn't have planned that or scripted that. Highland didn't figure that out. We just took a risk. And God did the rest. You never know when it's going to happen. You never know the timing. Here's a strange one. I was talking with Renee this week, and she showed me a book that she was using to uh, create a devotional for one of her ministry groups. I looked at it and said, oh, I recognize that book. I've got a copy of that book. She said, well, it's a good book. She said, actually, there's, uh, it's a book of blessings. It's called Bless the Space Between Us. I recognize the cover. I said, I've got that book. She said, you need to get it out because there's a blessing for someone who's retiring, and there's also a blessing in here for someone who's exhausted. I need to read that. So I found the book. I went home and found the book and put it in a stack of books and papers and magazines that I'm hoping to read someday. And Thursday of this week, I went to the jail, to the city jail, as I do a couple times a month to see our guy, Joey Cameron. And I've learned that you take some reading material with you because you could get stuck in there for 30 or 45 minutes and just be there in this little holding cell. So I took this book with me, and sure enough, I had to wait a while, so I found the prayer, a prayer for someone who is exhausted. And I read this prayer, and it just washed over me like an incredible gift. Here are words that articulate what I most deeply feel, and I feel known and loved and enveloped. And this is all happening in a little cinder block room with a glass wall where I'm waiting for for Joey to show up. I'm having this sacred moment. And I think, where'd this book come from? And I look in the front of it, and I see that it's a birthday gift from Robert and Cheryl Davis from 2008, nine years ago. My birthday is right before Christmas, and we travel after Christmas, and I'm sure that this was received, and I hope thanked. Uh, Robert, Cheryl, thank you, wherever you are. Um, (laughs) But then it sat on a shelf for nine years, just waiting. And then the gift was fully received when I took it, and I opened it and read it. And I thought, what, a, what, a, what an incredible gift. 
Just about that time, Joey's brought in by the guard. He's sitting on the other side of the glass. He said, what do you have there? I said, I'm just reading a book. He said, that's a cool-looking book. I showed it to him. I said, it's a book of blessings. One of them in here really touched me. He said, really, what did it say? I said, well, why don't you read it? And I took the book, and I just pressed it up against the glass, and he read it out loud. And I noticed that as he read it, I couldn't see his face. So all I was hearing were the words being read out loud for the first time. And his voice became for me the voice of God, speaking these words. And when he was finished, I, it was, we just were quiet for a second. And I said, wow, I, I wish they had one in here for someone who's in jail. And I turned the book back one page, and here is a prayer for a prisoner. I said, I'll read it to you. And I held it up in the same way that I'd held it up before, only now facing me. And I read to him, caught in a cold, functional cell, far from the comforts of home, with none of your own things, in a place that is gray and grim, with sounds that are seldom gentle, amid the shuffle of dumped feet. I peeked over the edge of the book to see what he was doing. And I've been visiting for three years, at least twice a month for three years. For the first time, I saw a tear coming out of his eye. And I realized he was having the same experience that I had had before he came into the meeting area of feeling connected and understood and loved and welcomed and included. They gave this book in 2008. It sat on a shelf for nine years until the moment that, how'd that happen? Did God, is that what a miracle is, that God sort of makes all these things happen so that the outcome happens? Or is a miracle when people are willing to invest their lives and trust it to God and then watch the whole thing unfold. Isn't that the gist of the gospel? Jesus came into the world talking about this empowering, abundant love. He embodied it so that when we killed him, he died, and then he rose again and ascended into heaven and sent the Spirit, and here we are now with gifts to give and a world in need. It's an invitation for every one of us in this room to invest our lives in God's way. For the darkness shall turn to dawning and the dawning to noonday bright. And Christ's great kingdom shall come on earth, the kingdom of love and Lord, let it be. Amen. Our hymn is number 667.